You know, I, I do think that the world is ever-growing, and, and it's ever-changing, and technology is killing us. It's, 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 technology is outgrowing us, and I'll be honest, like, I have found myself so frustrated the last six months, and I have been reminiscing. I remember back in the day, like, when it was the thing, like, on Wednesday nights or Thursday nights, all your shows came on, right? You know, and it, for me, it was Friday nights, TGI Friday. I wanted to watch Urkel and Full House, you know, and... And, and uh, Step Up or something like that. Step, Two Step. It was a good show. You know, or, or on Wednesday nights, Wonder Years came on. Everybody wanted to watch Wonder Years. You know, what would you do if I sang out of tune? And then Sunday nights, we always watch The Simpsons, but that's for another day. Um, you know, Simpsons is probably not appropriate, but I have every episode memorized. We'll talk about that another day and how that's uh, wrong. But, you know, we always grew up and we, we cherished these moments with our family where we sat around the table or we sat around in the living room and ate and, and uh, watched TV and enjoyed times. And, and so this is where my frustration came as I was thinking about that is now, like, we don't even watch TV. Like, we can turn on a show that we've been wanting to watch for a long time and we'll turn it on, get it going, and the first thing we do is... And we're so dependent upon our, our cell phones, and this is not a message about cell phones or iPads or computers, but this is just the way that culture has indoctrinated us to, to steal and take our attention, that we don't even watch the shows. We'll let them play in the background, but we'll go to something else, and we're trying to, what we're doing is compartmentalizing our mind, and we're taking our mind and trying to put it on so many different things, sorry, that we want to, and it's just overloading us. And so I, I was just kind of, pondering about this over the past few days you know how can we actually commit to to reading the bible how can we commit to watching less tv i think it would be easy for us to commit to watch less tv as long as we don't say we're going to commit to watching less phone you know i think it it's impossible for us to read the bible when we have notifications for every single thing in our life going off Text messaging, phone calls, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. I mean, just bling to bling to bling to bling to bling notifications. And once the notifications get you, they got you. And so one thing that the scripture tells us that we know is that God is a jealous God. You ever had like the, a spouse that's jealous? You know, or, 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 or you know, a boyfriend or girlfriend that was jealous? You know, Mary has this setting rule that if any girl tries to get with me, she'll claw their eyes out, slit their throat, and take them and dump them in Smith Lake. FYI. <laughs> you know, she will fight for me <laughs> and hurt me. And so we just don't, we don't cross that boundary. And so, but God is a jealous God in a different way in, that, in the fact that he will not fight for your attention. He doesn't like it when you give your attention away. And he, listen, God is always there to catch you when you fall. His grace and his mercy is always there when you need him. And listen, it doesn't matter the, the, the things you've done in your life, the things you're going through. His grace there is to cover a multitude of sins. The Bible says the more sin, the more grace. Like God has done what he's got to do to cover you. But he will not fight for your attention. And he will let... You literally slip off the slope because that's what salvation is, is free will. Like you have to, that's the one thing you've got to have willpower is to push yourself to Christ. And he will literally let you slip off 
into a black backslidden state. There's time and times again in the Bible where he let people go into the backslidden state. He let Israel get captured numerous times. Every time they wanted to do it their way, he would let them get captured, and they would spend time in that bondage in Babylon and Persia and all these things under captivity because he wanted them to come back to him. And it took those events for them to come back. And now we have Jesus. And what a beautiful gift because now when we slip off those slopes and we realize, God, we've let you down. He doesn't have to send an army in or a prophet in to to shake things up. He doesn't have to send David with a stone to throw at the giant. He sent Jesus. And now Jesus has paid for it the entire way. And so now when we fall, when we slip, when we come back, when 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 we lose our attention on God and we recognize it, we come back and say, Lord, forgive me. He's there every time to say, I forgive you. It's okay, come home. And that's the wonderful thing about it. But I want to tell you how much better your life will be when you walk with the Lord daily. This is what the Lord has sent me to tell you today. Don't depend on the grace from you slipping down the slippery slope. Your life doesn't need to just necessarily depend on that. It's there, but don't depend on it. Act like it's a savings account that you got to touch in emergencies. What your life needs to be is driven and living with Him daily. You will walk blessed. You will walk in, in, in His favor. Things can get hard. Things can get tough. But God is with you. You know, find yourself in that place. So today I wanted to start a series called Brand New. Where I think that we just need to start over. Like literally just start over. Brand new. And I've talked about it several times over the years because I really think that we need a lot of brand new moments, right? It's kind of like underwear. After a while, you got to buy some new ones, some quicker than others. Bad joke? Okay. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let me say it again. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. So if you find yourself living in this life where everything seems like it's, it's 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 the old you. That's a good indicator that that's not the new you. It's simple, right? If it's the old you and the things you're doing are the old you and the things that you're doing are the things that you don't want to do. Paul said, I do the things that I don't want to do and I don't do the things that I want to do. If you find yourself in that moment, you need to recognize maybe I'm not where I need to be with Christ. Because if I am, the old things have passed away and the new things become new. So maybe there's some things in me that I've got to change. Maybe there's some things in me that I've got to stop. Maybe there's some things in me that's, that's, that's got to be shifted out of my life so I can be the new that Christ has made me to be. You see, it's not like this. It doesn't come across like this, that like Christ died on the cross, so bam, all my sins are wiped away. I have no desire to sin. All these things, like I'm just like a walking, I'm just a walking saved by uh, my, from sin person. I don't know, my, my brain stopped working halfway through that sentence. But you know, it doesn't work that way. He has sacrificed himself for our sin, and in that he gives us the ability to be new. 
In other words, he made a way for us to let go of the old person and and grasp the new person that that has grace, that has mercy, that has a, a, a life to live that is modeled after Christ. And which leads me, and i got to interrupt this message for an important broadcast right now. The thing that came to me this week as I was studying more than anything was what it means to share the news of Christ. And and what I'm about to say is going to be so controversial. And and I probably will preach on it more in depth next week, so you want to come back. But did you know telling people about Jesus is the wrong thing. I know. I'm going to let y'all chew on that for a minute. I'm going to get some water. Keep chewing. If somebody wants to leave, you can. Spreading the gospel of Christ is not just walking around with signs that says, Jesus loves you, brother. Do you know Jesus? And then never speaking to them again. Spreading the gospel of Christ is not just talking about it to people that you will never talk to again. That is not spreading the gospel of Christ. Oh, but brother, you might sow a seed that might spread. and Jesus did not say, go sow a seed that might spread. He said, go make disciples. And the last time I checked, that means that spreading the gospel is actually investing in people. It's actually spending time with people making disciples is truly spreading the gospel that's taking people and investing into their lives and watching them grow with Christ and when they fall you help them and pick them back up you make them feel like they are a part of the kingdom of God you help them along the way and you get them to a place where they can go and make more disciples that's spreading the gospel wearing a shirt holding a sign that is not that is the laziest garbage I know this is this is hurtful I know I get it that is the laziest garbage I've ever seen or heard that is a westernized microwave here I'm spreading the gospel look at me mess I've ever seen in my life don't do it that's wrong spreading the gospel is not jumping around and saying hey Jesus loves you that is not spreading the gospel God did not say go out and tell them my name he said go out and make disciples and teach them to observe all I have commanded and that cost You, time, and investment. That costs you heart. And that's what Jesus is really looking for. So the the lazy way of, of, I've done it in the past. Like I'll go pay for somebody's food and give them a card that says Jesus loves them. I spreaded the gospel today. No, you didn't. You bought somebody food. That was nice. And you gave them a card with your church's name on it. And so that was advertisement for your church. Go, uh That's not, that's not what Jesus wants. Like, if we're going to be new, let's start over new right now. And let's recognize what he wants. And Christ is wanting someone that will make disciples through his gospel. That's the last thing Jesus gave us as he left. Go and make disciples in all the world, teaching them all that I have said. And he said, lo, I will be with you in all the earth. That's what truly making disciples is. And I think here's where I'm going to segue into my sermon. And, and I'm not going to keep you long. I know it's 11.56 and we'll get out of here at 12.15 on the dot. Okay, is that okay with you? Yeah. <laughs> Go get in the corner. 
Go, go get in the corner. <laughs> okay, Alicia. Y'all love me, don't you? She says she's a good girl. How many believes that? Don't raise your hand. When I preach these things, I don't mean to be controversial. What I do mean is that I will try my very ever-loving best to break the cultured Christ church to pieces and make it like he wanted it. The disciples didn't go around and hand out cards and says, Hey, Jesus loves you. Catch you later. Let me pray with you. Woo! Father, in Jesus' name. Ha! See ya. It didn't work like that. It says that they went and broke bread. They went into people's houses. And they ate together. They spent time together. They fellowshiped. Think about the model of Jesus. He spent time with people daily. He walked around and was with people. He gave three-year commitment to investing of the people that would take his message further. And they were able to do it. They were able to take the message all the way to where we are today. Because Christ made a three-year commitment of discipleship to these 12 men. And I just wonder, we have about 85 people probably in here. I wonder what would happen if we made a three-year commitment to be as close to Christ and discipled as close to Him as we could. What would we do in the world? Now, I know that's probably a little lavish and probably ain't nobody going to commit to that. There'll be several people that would raise their hand and say, I'll do it. But the reality is, is that we are distracted. We are distracted. And so there's two commitments that I want you to make that are simple. I want you to commit to the one-year Bible today. Catch up. It takes you 15 minutes a day. How many has one of these? Most everybody. The Bible app, version is the brand. One-year Bible, 15 minutes a day. That's it. I'm asking you for 15 minutes. If you do that for 365 days, you will read the entire Bible. How cool would that be? The number two thing is I'm, I'm asking you to commit to the next few weeks of this sermon. Brand new, so we can learn some things that we can do to start changing who we are and learn how to make disciples little by little. All right? The number three thing, I said two, but I'm giving you three, is I want us as a church, there's going to be some things changing. There'll be meetings popping up all over the place for the next few months because I'm going to change some things in this church and I'm going to make sure that we are driven to Christ together. Okay? So number three thing is I want you to, to get with some people. If you are a family in this church and you're doing life alone and not hanging out with people in this church, I want you to squash that. What does Mary say when we're, we're arguing? Squash the distance. Kick it in the crotch. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> you can't be mad at her no more when she does it. She'll just walk in the room and say, Aunt, squash the distance. Kick it in the crotch. <laughs> and I'll say, what do you want me to cook you for dinner, honey? I want you to connect. Connect with people, please. I don't know how much to beg you. Please connect with people. I will create opportunities for you to connect. Okay? These are important things. One, your Bible. Number two, I want you to commit to this series and learn. And number three, I want you to connect with people. All right? This is important. We have, we have to decide we're going to make things new. We have to make some changes. And sometimes those changes are uncomfortable, but we have to do it. So let me walk you through this real fast. 
In Christ, if all things are new, there needs to be a part of the old me that is left. That, may, that, that uh, things that must become brand new is my language, the way that I speak. I ain't talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about the way that I daily speak. Okay? Our desires have to change. Our thinking has to change. Um, these are things that we have to decide in ourselves that we're going to let go. We're going to change. The pro- now, today, what I wanted to talk about was our, our new language, the way we speak. I say new language, it instantly freaks people out. I'm talking about the way that we speak to people and about people. Okay, we've got to change that. Did you know the primary use for words in the Bible was to create? We all know that. We learned that. Um, the, uh, the pastor that came from Texas, I forgot his name, it just lost, left me. Brain quit. Monel, what's his name? John Jester came and he talked about the creative power of words. You know, and the truth is, is that our words do create. But today I want to focus on how they create atmosphere around us with the people we're with. Right? And, it, and it's not necessarily the way that you talk to somebody individually to their face. Like I could go to Donnie and I could say, like, hey, Donnie, your hair looks good today. You know, but I'm not going to do that. Or I could say, hey, you know, Adam, your beard is long. That, that, you know, it's not necessarily that's not the problem. It's that when I like go to, to Adam and I say, hey, man, did you see the way that uh, Wayne's hair's falling out? You know, it's those, it's those, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's those, it's those, it's the way that we use our words to create a culture of negativity. In a, a culture of complaining, in a, a culture of calling people out, in a culture of hurting other people through other people. And we got to stop that, man, because what we're doing when we create, when we use these words of negativity to create, we're creating a negative culture among ourselves. And so if I went to Adam and I said, hey, Adam, you know, blah, 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 blah about Wayne. Now Adam is changing the way that he views Wayne. Now Adam is seeing Wayne the way that I seen Wayne, see Wayne. And I might not see Wayne in a good light, although I do. And I can see myself in your head too. And it's not like... <laughs> it's not... <laughs> it's not... It's not... I love you, Wayne. But you should understand now what I'm doing with my words is I'm creating a culture of... of, of of visibility and a perception of Wayne the way that I see him and I'm putting that into other people to see him and that spreads like, man, that spreads like roaches. You see one, you're going to have a billion. You better watch it. And, and we have to be careful about the way that we use our words and what we're creating. Let me, let me do this. It says you have the ability to create good and bad things in people's life with what you say. It says in Proverbs 12, 18, some people make cutting remarks. Some people make cutting remarks. But the words of the wise bring healing. This is one of the most important scriptures to me when we're talking about creating culture and being new is that we can change the way that we're talking and we actually can heal bad relationships. We actually can heal broken feelings. We can heal the things that were lost if we use the right words to bring that healing. The Bible tells me that I can either break it or heal it. And so everything that I say needs to be a point of healing. It needs to be a point of hope. It needs to be a point of forgiveness. I need to speak about people 
the way that Christ would speak about people. And in that, I will create healing words. I can change the way now if I went to Adam and I talked about Wayne and I, and I said, Adam, you know what Wayne did, man? Wayne, he went and he mowed this grass. He didn't have no help. He was out there sweating and he was doing his very best to just help. And he didn't want nobody to know. But I wanted you to know because, like, man, Wayne's a good dude. And now where Adam may have had a bad perception of Wayne, I just started the healing process of perception in Wayne. Does that make sense? Like, we've got to speak that kind of life into people. Moving on. If you're not careful, this is something I thought was, was really good. I wrote this down. If, if you're not careful, you'll be a baggage giver instead of a life giver. In other words, in a, if, if you're not careful, you'll put things on people that they don't, they don't need. And, and more and more as a pastor, maybe, maybe you guys not so much, but as a pastor, I see into a lot of people's lives all the time. And I know there's this like perception in church where you got to act like you have it all together. And that's, that's, nobody cares about that. I don't care about that. I don't care if you have it all together. You literally could come to me and tell me you killed somebody and I'll send Adam to hide the body. Like that's just, don't, no, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't put that on Facebook. (laughs) I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying you ain't got to have it all together. Okay. You just ain't. It's okay to not. And we got to have that culture. We don't, everybody has got baggage. Everybody has got problems. Everybody is struggling. Everybody has things they're going through. Everybody on some days are doing great, but the next day could be doing terrible. And it's okay. But I've learned that in the middle of somebody's terrible storm, if you'll just tell them you love them or, hey, it's good to see you or, or man, I just, I'm glad we got to see each other today, whatever, just some kind of life-giving response, you can start a healing process in that person. And I'm, I'm asking you, as the pastor of this church, that we start creating that kind of culture. Number one, that we go to people that we don't know, and number two, that we speak to them in a way that brings life to them. And that's what we have to do. Number two, I wrote this down, it says, learn to develop a kingdom language. And that, all, that, all that really means is like, talk like Jesus. Like, I don't think that Jesus would ever put somebody down however he did. Did you know that? Jesus put people down several times. I don't know if he was putting them down or if he was calling them out, but he said to those Pharisees, get away from me, you evil vipers, vicious vipers. Get away from me. You know, there's a difference. He knew those people's hearts would not change, and they didn't. They saw him all the way to death, right? And I, 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 here's, the, here's the, the eek moment today. Does Jesus look in your heart and see someone that would never change? We can become new. We have that in us, in Christ. So let's learn to develop a Jesus language, a kingdom language. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say... Everybody say that with me. Everything you say. Ready? Everything I say, be good and helpful so your words will be an encouragement to those who hear it. That's the scripture. And that comes from Ephesians chapter 4. And you know what Ephesians chapter 4 is all about? Building the church. The entire chapter is just about what the church is supposed to look like. And he finishes out towards the end with, don't 
be negative and abusive and hurting, but instead let everything you say be good and uplifting and encouraging to people. That's who we're supposed to be. So if we're starting over today, we're going to start here. We're going to start with the way that we speak about people. We're going to start with the way that we speak to people. We're going to start with the way that we speak about ourselves. Gregorian doesn't like it when I say I'm good looking, but I got to give life to myself, okay? (laughs) Your words are seeds, good or bad, helpful or painful, encouraging or condemning, your words are seeds. And the words that you do speak can live with people forever. There are things that people have said to me or about me that I think about probably every day. And I probably need deliverance from that. But I do want you to know that words are seeds that will grow. And this is uh, Galatians 6 and 2. When we're developing this kingdom language and we're talking like Jesus, the Galatians 6 and 2 says, Bear one another, another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Which brings me to a, a really important uh, scripture uh, and a thought on this. Is that, that we need to learn to um, bear it, not share it. That's another thing that we really, really struggle with. Seeds are sown um, whether you are talking to or about a person. And I talked about that, you know, with Adam. If you're talking about someone negative, that's a seed sown and a perception shifter. And the third thing, and I want to bring you to it. I know, man, I've blew through this. But I'll be honest with you, this is elementary stuff that we need to change. This is not really meat of the word. I'm bringing us back to the milk for a minute because we got to get to where we can take the big stuff again. And if we can't learn to get our mouth right, guys, we're not going to get anything else right. If we can't learn to learn how to, learn how to speak to people and about people better, then I'm, I'm telling you, Christ is not honoring of that. He's watching every word. He watches every word because every word is connected to your heart. Do you know that? Number three, I want you to know this about speaking about people is undoing the damage. It can be done. They say, there's an old saying, once it leaves, you'll never get it back. And that's true. Like Wayne probably is going to think forever about me saying that I could see myself in his head. (laughs) But, although I cannot get that back, I can't undo the damage. And it seems impossible But nothing's impossible. And I wrote down a few things about this. Nothing's impossible with God. Number one, you need to accept that you have said something negative. I said on here, accept that you have sowed negative seeds. Number two, you need to repent for working for Satan. Did you know that when you're talking ugly about or to somebody, you're literally working for the devil and not God? And number three, you should go to the person and express your heart and regret. People say I apologize too much. But you know the fact is, is I would rather make it right with somebody because I want to be a representation of Christ. And so I would rather make it right than to leave it out there and just say, ah, they'll get over it. That's not the heart of Jesus. That is not the heart of Jesus. Make it right. Number four, leave with sowing a good seed. If you sowed a bad seed and now you feel bad about it, you've repented and made it right, find something good to say about them. 
I'll tell you a really sad story, man. I can't give any details, but I, I can say this. I work with a family, and that family has been struggling. And we've sent people into their homes to try to help them. And this is a good family. This ain't like a family in poverty. This is a family that's fairly wealthy. I've sent counselors in. I've sent a team of people to go, to go try to change the atmosphere. And one of the things that we did was we set them around a circle, and we said, can you please just like find something good to say about each other? And it got to this mom, and she was saying something good about every single person except for one of her children. And she said, I can't think of anything. That, that child's young, like teenage could you imagine, could you imagine that that's going to live with him forever? Now that's a sensitive situation that I brought up because I want you to see how, how bad it could hurt. But the main thing that I want you to get out of this is you literally could be sowing the same emotions into other people and about other people and not even know it. As your pastor, if I could ask you to do anything, anything at all, I would ask that you just speak kind and good to people. That you forgive people. That you lift people up. And when other people are in a conversation tearing people down, if you can't bring them up, then you excuse yourself from that conversation. You don't have to be a jerk and say, y'all are sinners going to hell. You don't have to do that. But you can say, you know what? I'm out of this. I don't want to talk about people. Find ways to give life. That has always been the mission of this church before we tore the sign down. Hopefully the new sign's going up soon, right, Adam? Yeah, it's going to be smashingly awesome. Before we took it down, it said Awakening Life Church, and that was always the purpose of this church. And I know that you name is that name is unique and different. You know, but I liked it and I felt in my spirit that's who it had to be because we had to give life to people. And so it said, Awakening Life, a church with life giving purpose. And so that's where we got to start. And this year, that's where I want to start. That's the vision. I want us to become brand new, but I want when people are around us, they feel life from us, they feel Christ in us, and they feel that we care. Can we do that? All right, everybody stand with me and close your eyes. I want to. I want to pray over you. But I want to do this first. There are some people in this room. I need you to really focus, okay? Just really focus for a minute. It's a serious time. There's some people in this room. Someone has spoken bad about you. Someone has spoken negative to you some even somebody watching online we have several watching online right now maybe someone has spoken hurtful or negative to you I want in this moment I want us to muster up every bit of strength that we can and I want us to forgive those people that has spoken hurtful things to us or about us I want us to forgive them and I want us to let, them, let that go. Because if we're going to become brand new and we're going to speak life into people, 
then we've, we've got to deal with the, the hurt and pain that people have spoken into us. Now, I know it's not easy sometimes. I know if you're like me, man, people have said some really mean things to me and about me. And I'm sensitive. But we have to deal with that and not let that dominate us. We've got to ask God to take that away. And we've got to forgive those people and those things so that we can represent Christ by being the opposite and giving life with our words, being kind. So if you will, let's just pray. Pray this with me. Father, forgive me for holding on to any negative things spoken over me. I am rejecting that thought and their words and I am asking you to wipe that away from me. Make me brand new. I ask that those words will have no power over me. God, help me to be your vessel speaking life into people loving people and connecting people and Lord if I speak negative about someone convict me change me in Jesus name